there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and we are breaking down the morning after of South Carolina's 37-30 to 30 win over Mississippi State last night. Uh, first SEC win of the 2023 season for the Gamecocks. Um, I actually read on Reddit this morning, first Power 5 win by anyone from the state of South Carolina so far. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, you think about it, right? Uh, Clemson's lost both their Power 5 games so Florida far. State Duke, yeah. Prior to this, South Carolina had lost their other two Power Coastal 5 games so far. lost to UCLA. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Um, kicking things off. And, uh, yeah, you have the same record as Clemson right now, which, um, you know, definitely there's a segment of the fan base that uh, – gets almost as much pleasure out of Clemson losing as I South think it's Carolina more than a sec. <laughs> um, so overall a good weekend, right? Uh, my, my dad used to call these perfect weekends when South Carolina won. Did you see the USC, <laughs> um, the other USC SoCal tweet last night, by the way? Um, I didn't know. Literally just captioned perfect weekend. And it was their final score, the UCLA losing final score, the Notre Dame losing final score. <laughs> I'm surprised that they didn't take a shot at Colorado like everyone else did yesterday, too. Um, by the way, we got a comment from Palmetto Flooring Gallery. Uh, shout out also. Uh, hit us up about advertising if you want. Yeah. Um, great hard-fought win. I think that's how you learn to win as young players. I, yes. I think that that's, that's a very good point. Accurate. Yeah. Um, my final point on my rapid reaction last night, uh, which is me trying to take – things a little bit deeper immediately after the game, which is sometimes tough to do, but uh, was South Carolina simply made more winning plays when yes. it mattered. I said um, the same thing as someone last night in the box. Yes. And yeah, and you have a young team and and that's how a young team learns how to win is, is making those sorts of plays. I think that was uh, an essential win. It wasn't perfect <laughs> in any way, which we'll get into some of the ways uh, it certainly wasn't, but um, you got to be happy with that. It's always tough to win SEC games. I think that's a basically evenly matched team to you. Um, and you found a way to pull it out. Uh, and really, other than the brief moment that it was tied 30 to 30, you kind of had control of it throughout, even though uh, maybe you felt like you could have pulled away a little bit more at times. Yeah, I think I think the first thing you've mentioned there is you just you make winning plays. Yeah, that game is tied in the fourth quarter. That can very I don't have to explain it to you. The game was tied. Like that can very easily go the other way. Jordan Strawn makes a play, forces a fumble. Judge Collier has the presence of mind to realize that ball's live, picks it up, gets you down in the red zone. Um, Mario Anderson, we're going to talk about in a second here, makes a play, pushes a pile, scores. Boogie Huntley, you give up a fourth down, next play on the first down, gets a sack, gets Mississippi State behind the chains. Yeah, you make plays. Um, and I think more than anything else, that was that was kind of a gut check drive quarter sequence for this team this season because you we talked about it we talked about during the week how vital that game was for this team they can't go one and three and you took a 14 nothing lead you lost a 14 nothing lead you kind of had to get back on the beam quickly um and you did you found a way to make enough plays to win that game well and i think uh one of the things you just brought up is is kind of fun so i i uh, saw someone on reddit or something i can't remember where it was say this was the best game by the D-line of the Shane Beamer era and the worst game by the secondary of the Beamer era. And I kind of think that there's some some value to that. But those two plays that you're talking about, uh, interception to uh, on the two-yard line um, and, yep. and uh, 
uh, scoop fumble and, and short return or whatever, both made by DBs, right? So even mm-hmm. on an off night um, where you de- definitely did give up some big plays, we'll get into the historic sort of career night um, that Tulu. Will Rogers. Uh, and yeah, well, <laughs> Will Rogers and uh, Tulu uh, Griffin had for Mississippi State. But um, when the moment mattered, uh, you made a couple of big plays. Uh, I'm still kind of confused about the interception, honestly. Yeah, um, I, I was going to ask, did you get a, was there a broadcast explanation on why that was allowed to stand? All right. So they said basically in college, right, you only need on on offense, you only need one foot inbounds right. for it to count. Um, and they said by the hair of like a cleat, basically, he reestablished himself with his right foot inbounds while his left foot came up off the out of bounds line and he was you know just a hair inbounds okay. before it. i it didn't look like no uh, watch the replay now it still doesn't me, look like but, it uh you know uh that's a break for south carolina also um if you are a mississippi state fan or whatever and you're trying to take the other side the ref screwed us whatever it would have been fourth down you probably kick a field goal there uh, ultimately i don't know that it it makes that huge of a difference um, also, also, that's a they, ridiculous throw by Rodgers to make in that situation. Yeah, exactly. So um, sometimes the, the ball is oblong, right? <laughs> sometimes it bounces. It bounces, yep. way. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I don't know. That was a weird, that was a weird call. Uh, not one that you see very often, but um, I did think the fumble was correct. Uh, Will Rogers' hand was not coming forward yet before it got dislodged and all of that. So, um, and that's obviously the bigger one because at that point you are up three allows you to go in for a touchdown go up 10 and and really kind of ice the game from there um another pretty important sequence came right after that i thought that was when mario anderson scored uh from like five or six yards out and well it's one of the night actually oh nine yards out um something you saw in that play was tree babalade getting out ahead uh making a really key block on that toss play and then babalade knocks uh, I believe it was maybe Josh Simon as well. Um, Garjulo was in there too. Garjulo, uh sort of guided Anderson in. So it was one of those cool moments where you get like four guys falling into the end zone for a touchdown. Um, and I, I just feel like symbolically that usually is like, oh, good team effort. Everyone's on the same page and, and we, we made that happen. And I, I think that that's a good little microcosm uh, of the night and kind of a good way to transition into one of the keys that you've written a lot about uh, in the last 24 hours, which is the emergence of Mario Anderson, um, the emergence of a semblance of a run game. Let's not act like they ran for 200 yards last night or anything, no, uh, but, yeah. but they, they outgained Mississippi state uh, who expected uh, we expected uh, to have a pretty good night on the ground. Um, and yeah, you at least showed that you could be serviceable in the run game for the first time this season. You ran the ball for over 100 yards last night, and that's take, even if you take out Spencer Rattler's numbers, you still ran the ball for over 100 yards between Anderson and Joyner. I think what this is going to be, what this is going to have to look like, again, you're still not good. You don't have Barry Sanders in your backfield. That's fine. Um, situationally, you can run the ball when you have to, I think. Mario Anderson in short yardage last night picked up a fourth and one early, picked up a third and one later. He picked up, I think, another third and one in the fourth quarter. The touchdown in the red zone. I think he's, we've seen to carry on Joyner two weeks in a row now and take a direct snap on the goal line and score. I think you can do just enough with an identity, with something you think you can do well with short yardage, 
Beamer mentioned post game that they kind of streamlined the running game this week just because Mississippi State simulates so many different pressures, does so many different things with that odd front, that three three five, and they're like, we're going to see so many different looks. We might as well just focus on what we focus on what we can do. Um, just find the few best running plays at work, and then just kind of rep those. That might be the way to go moving forward. Honestly, you're not going to see a three three five every week, but just kind of doing it that way and realizing that your running game's limited but not completely debilitating if you get what you got last night. Yeah, and I, I think that there's still a, a place for DeCarry and Joyner who did, didn't have a bad game by no. any stretch. Also scored a fumble a, hurt, but Yeah, also scored a rushing touchdown from the Wildcat again last, last night, which is two straight weeks on that. Um, but I do think it was good that they finally were kind of stub- stubborn about getting Mario Anderson involved. And he showed that, uh, you know, while he doesn't have elite speed, um, he is just the hardest runner that South Carolina has and tends to always fall forward. He actually, um, this will be a little bit of a throwback, but he reminds me a little bit of like Ryan Brewer uh, for South Carolina, where you're not ever going to mistake him for an NFL level running back or anything. Um, but he just works hard. Um, and, yeah. That's sometimes all that you need. Uh, not that Joiner is not working hard by any stretch or whatever, but something to that too. Not to cut you off, but and this is again not a shot at Joiner at all. It's just the reality of it. Mario Anderson's a running back. There were a couple times last night where he found holes that Joiner just wasn't finding. Um, yeah. Times that you know whether it's Tree or Nick or Vershawn or opening up lanes that because he's a natural running back, he's been doing it his whole life. He just was able to find the hole in. Maybe a two-yard gain for Joyner is a five-yard gain for him because he just is there a second quicker. Yep. Um, and there's also a couple of times in short yardage that you were able to lean on the run game and make it yeah. happen. I know you mentioned a fourth and one uh, pickup by Anderson um, a couple times down near the goal line. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if you get this every week, this is enough. Um, I think probably next week you don't see as much of a um, – imbalance towards the rush uh last night you had that was surprising to me yeah even with how they were running it better i yeah. i mean i had to say mario anderson even at the d2 level almost three times in three years had that many carries yeah so you had 47 rushes last night to 20 passes um i think it'll probably be more 50 50 or even 60 40 skewed towards passing uh, heading forward, but I, I think it was pretty obvious that they saw something uh, on tape with that three-three-five where they felt like they could run the ball, and then they were pretty stubborn about uh, making yes. it happen to the to the point that sometimes you and I both were kind of like, uh, I don't know if I would have run it on third and four there, but uh, you yeah, know. there was the one series, and you end up getting a break, which credit to Spencer, it's the red zone series the first red zone series on the second touchdown drive the one that goes to the end of the first quarter and then it switches and it starts the second quarter you run the ball three times in a row from mississippi state i think that series started at 25 three three runs for six yards fourth and four i think we're both because yeah it was the last play of the first quarter we both spent the quarter break like you're gonna run the ball three times in a row come out of the second quarter spencer executes the hard count perfectly I thought that was a very key play that yeah. no one's going to talk about. Gets Definitely. you a first down, next play, touchdown pass to Trey Knox. Um, I maybe wouldn't have run it that many times, and I think you're right. They're not going to every week. But, again, you ran the ball and you had to, and I think you know it's there. Yeah, 
And honestly, it made a, a big difference last night. Uh, maybe you, I mean, it's not like Spencer Rattler had a bad game, right? He completes the first 17 uh, passes. I uh, ended up 18 for 20. The two incompletions were still on target. Um, one was a pass, I thought, a missed pass interference call uh, in the end zone to Omega Blake. And the other uh, hit, was it Knox in the hands? And he dropped it. Yes, um, it was right, so, right in the hands. Like so five I'm, minutes ago. Pretty much a perfect night uh, from Spencer Rattler. He had a 260 QBR, 260.5, um, 288 yards, three touchdowns, 90% completion percentage. He's completing 74% of his passes on the season. Uh, it would be much higher than that if he didn't uh, go like what was it, like six for 24 in the in the fourth quarter in Athens. Um, so I mean, he's he's just been truly elite. Um, Xavier Leggett on a night that uh, Alshon Jeffrey gets his jersey retired. He uh, has five receptions for 189 yards and two touchdowns, two 75-plus yard touchdown catches, one that was just all yak where he caught a little slant um, on the first – was it the first drive? Yeah, first drive of the game and took it. Okay, I wanted to bring up that play too because Mario Anderson on that play, it is third down – you talk about just making plays. Mario Anderson, Mississippi State, there's a blitz there from Watson, Mississippi State's leading tackler. He was second in the SEC in tackles last year. Mario Anderson steps up in the hole, basically takes a bull rush from one of the best tacklers in the league, gives Spencer an extra second, hits Leggett, throws for a touchdown. That's a winning play by, by your running back there. Yeah, definitely. And something that we talked about, uh, I guess, in the lead up of like, why is Mario Anderson not getting as much play? Is it because to and Joyner has been better in pass protection or, or what? Um, I think, yeah, Mario Anderson definitely proved that he can play that role just fine, too, which is something that they're going to have to ask him to play uh, with the way this offense is constructed. Um, also, I, I feel like at this point, it's safe to make a bold statement four games into the season. This is the best offense that South Carolina has had since the Steve Spurrier era. Yeah. Um, and that's credit to Dowell Loggins, credit to Shane Beamer for believing in Dowell Loggins, and obviously credit to Spencer Rattler, who's taken just a huge step forward uh, really since that Tennessee game last year. Um, he's moving up some NFL draft boards. It's arguable that he's the best quarterback in the SEC so far this season. Uh, I, I mean, numbers-wise, it's inarguable he is. Yeah, and I think the Dowell Loggins point, too, that's four games in a row you've scored a touchdown on your first two drives, one of them. And tonight, or last night, obviously, you got one on both of your first two drives. Have you ever covered or seen a football game where you had a 98-yard and a 99-yard <laughs> touchdown drive on back-to-back possessions to open a game? No, I mean, there's a reason that those were the two longest drives back-to-back of the Shane Beamer era. It's kind of funny watching you on Twitter because you're like, oh, that 98-yard drive was the – Longest drive of the Shane Beamer era. And then Mississippi State has another perfect punt, which too bad for them, honestly. Those back-to-back perfect punts for Mississippi yeah. State to pin you inside your two. They both hit one inside the two. <laughs> um, and you're like, all right, well, now they have an opportunity to break that record immediately with a 99-yard drive. And, of course, that's what they did. Um, I think the 99-yard drive is honestly a little bit more impressive. Um, it was. You have the big plays. play. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you have the big play on the uh, first one, which – great for them that was six plays 98 yards um but that second drive was 16 plays 99 yards seven minutes and 15 seconds time of possession um that's i mean 
that's a offensive coordinator's dream right there. <laughs> you can't really ask for much better than that. Um, we're kind of skipping around a little bit, which is how these Sunday shows sometimes go because we just that's have so many, game was. Yeah, so many things that we want to get to. Um, I did want to give you guys another fun stat on Leggett. Uh, he was the first receiver since Alshon Jeffrey in 2010 to start the season with 400 yard, 400 receiving gar- yards in the first four games of the season. He actually has 550 or something like that. So he's actually smashed that. Um, but kind of cool on a night when Alshon's Je- Alshon Jeffrey's uh, jersey is getting retired. He's there giving a little uh, halftime speech. We ha- we also had some press coverage of, of him yesterday uh, that Leggett's seemingly kind of... <laughs> in that mold right now um i was texting my dad during the game and he actually was like he reminds me of jeffrey right now um he's a lot faster than alshon jeffrey ever was no offense to alshon jeffrey who is a great gamecock obviously yeah i think there's something to be said for the the afterburner side of it too just you take that slant and you go the first play of the second half which is a 75 yard touchdown he creates a little bit of separation but that's that's a speed touchdown. That's I mean, I think he caught the ball at his own 35, 40, and he just does the rest with his yeah. legs. Um that's yeah, that's that's just again, you're talking about winning plays. Um I don't even know what else to say about Leggett at this point. He's already over 500 receiving guards for the season. He's the first player ever with 270 yard games in a month of this program. Um that's an NFL wide receiver right now, which I wouldn't have said going into the year, but I don't think you can even argue it right now. Yeah, I mean, I would have said he had the tools, right? He flashed yeah. it here and there, uh, especially last year near the end of the season. But the he, he's really put it together uh, down to start this season. Um, and it makes you excited if you can get um, Juice Wells back for having both of them on the field at the same time, which we saw resulted in... Uh, touchdown drive uh, against one of the best defenses of the country last week. Um, so this offense is already, like I said, bold statement, the best since the Steve Spurrier era. Um, and it's not even at full strength, which is um, a credit to all those guys I said before, Rattler and Loggins and, and really everyone that's pieced it together. Um, also, also the offensive line. Um, do you now have your five, you think? Your, your five that you kind of roll with from – from this point forward after the first two drives last night um your five that went the rest of the way you had babalado at left tackle you had garjulo at left guard you had vershawn lee at center you had um uh trovan ball another true freshman at right guard and you had uh tyshawn wanamaker actually at right tackle um and kind of went that way the rest of the way uh you had a pretty good night i thought you only gave up um four sacks and Only, five uh, one offensive loss. line penalty to the false start on Trovon. Right. Um, and <laughs> if I, if I am going to be fair, I guess uh, on Trovon's first drive, he got absolutely blown by uh, for a sack. I believe it was by jet Johnson. Um, but I mean, that's a all sec caliber linebacker. So, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to happen. happen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, if we want to start to get into the negatives, I wanted to play a little clip from Shane Beamer's post game last night, uh, because even though obviously he's happy to get that that win, he didn't necessarily come out all uh, all roses um, after 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 the game. Let me share this clip real quick. Sorry, dead air. Here we go. The key was control number seven and control number five. 
And we did a good job of, of controlling the running back, held him to 27 yards rushing. But my gosh, um, seven catches for 256 yards for uh, Griffin. Uh, embarrassing, frankly. Uh, just some bad pass defense by our guys. We got a lot to get better at, just getting balls thrown over our heads. And uh, we came in at halftime and told the guys, that's we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing, except we're not controlling number five. And uh, last night. All right. So that was Shane last night talking about uh, Tulu Griffin, who, like he said, he just read that stat line. I'll read it one more time. Seven catches, 256 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he averaged 36.6 yards. Per catch. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. Not... We had Mississippi State's program record for receiving yards in a game early in the third quarter. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, if you go back and watch it, uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely saw a couple of the, this happen a couple times live. A lot of those are play action passes. A lot of those are your safety, be it Eamon Worry or DQ Smith, neither of which had the best game of their career last night. Um, getting stuck looking in the backfield on that, on, on the run and, uh, just not having any help over the top. And then you you were kind of playing Griffin straight up with a corner um, in man, it looked like, in a lot of those, um, yeah. which, you know, some of that falls on the corner getting beat there, uh, but you also just had no safety help over the top. So once he got behind the, uh, the corner and caught it, he was gone. Uh, that's why you had so many of those big plays there. Um, it's tough to fully like I guess separate this from the fact that you had the SEC's leading rusher coming into this game and obviously Clayton White and the defense had put an emphasis on slowing down number seven as Beamer just said in that clip um you you did do that um obviously he got hurt Jaquavius Mars got hurt uh, um about halfway through the game but before that he had 12 rushes for 27 yards a long of seven he averaged 2.3 yards per rush you effectively shut down um, Mississippi State's run run game, which is something that they were quite good at heading into this one. But <laughs> it can't swing so far in the other direction that you give up nearly 500 yards passing uh, to Will Rogers, who, you know, he's number three now on the all-time SEC passing list. He's not a slouch, um, but you have to play better than that. And, and you're immediately going to be tested next week against Tennessee um, who's going to try to throw it all over you. Yeah, I think when you when you look at that, all right, your secondary has been pretty good this year, pretty good last year. Is that a blip, or is that what you're looking at going forward? And I don't think it's what you're looking at going forward, big picture. Uh, we should mention O'Donnell Fortune, who I actually think did get beat on one of those two Griffin long plays in the first half. He got banged up third quarter, some with his knees, chance that it shouldn't be anything long-term. But you had Judge Collier in the game a lot. Um David Spalding got hurt too. He's again, Shane said he's fine, but you were kind of, you I mean you were playing DQ at nickel a little bit. You were doing Jalen and Nick at safety. You didn't have as much rotation there last night as maybe you wanted. And then you added Mississippi State being pretty much an obvious passing every play of their last two drives. But no, 500 yards, I think it was 487 was the final number. That can't happen. You're going to face a quarterback next week who, is pretty much known for his deep balls. They, oh, Joe Bill could throw a ball throughout our space. Um, yeah, I, you, you, I think it's just some, to me, you're letting guys behind you. I mean, there was one play last night, Mississippi State's last drive, the field goal drive, the cut up to seven, third and 11, keep everything in front of you, free runner, 29 yards. I don't know which corner it was. That that just can't happen. Um, and I'm curious what they see on the film out of that and 
maybe what changes going into next week. Yeah, there was actually one other moment that I'm thinking of last night that Tulu Griffin might have had another 70-yard touchdown. But um, Oh, yeah, and Boogie got a sack. Yeah. There was a guy, or maybe it was TJ Sanders, but there was a guy wide open. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. And um, I do think we can probably classify it as more of a blip based on what we've seen over the last two years from many of these same players. Um, I don't know if Eman Mori's still got any lingering effects from that injury to me to me most of what i saw last night was mental just getting caught up in the run and granted like both he and smith will come up uh in the run and make big plays uh and have two for that yeah have done so throughout their career i don't think you want to completely eliminate that aspect of their game uh but got to find some some balance in between can't can't have a night like you had last night uh because it happened consistently obviously if you give up one of those a game or whatever you live with that. Um, but um, it really that those, those deep balls were what kept Mississippi state in this game. Otherwise South Carolina probably dominates in a, a completely different fashion. Um, on the flip side, let's talk about the defensive line. I thought the defensive line had, yeah, maybe the best game of the Shane Beamer era. They had four sacks, nine tackle for losses, um, uh, several batted down balls. They forced that fumble, uh, which ultimately, led to uh that's deciding touchdown uh in this one um what are your what are your takeaways from the defensive line and the front seven in general i guess from last night yeah i actually wanted to mention one more play and one player we haven't gotten to yet on the defensive line so after the carry on joiner fumbles mississippi state's driving there's that weird play where real rogers scrambles and he looks like he's setting up first and goal and he fumbles and a couple players have a chance to get on it mississippi state gets back on it it is third and less than a yard from the five Mississippi state is a push away from a first down five yards away from taking the lead for the first time. You go three defensive tackles in the game and Nick Barrett, who doesn't play that much, hasn't played that much, gets it under his blocker, brings Will Rogers down on the backfield on a sneak. I was surprised that Garnett kicked a field goal in that spot on the ensuing fourth and one, I guess it was fourth and six. I think they took the late game, but Nick Barrett made a big play last night, and that's one of your rotational defensive tackles. He's probably your number – not probably. He is, by snap count, your number four defensive tackle behind Tonka, Boogie, and TJ. But he made a big play last night. And I think that's kind of what you're – again, you're talking about the running game, identity, being able to do enough. I think you have a, for lack of a better term, a big play defense. It's kind of that Ben Bedell break that we talked about um, on the Thursday show. But you gave up yards. You made plays in the red zone. You forced two turnovers. Um, I thought Boogie Huntley was really good last night. I'm thinking of that one series where he had a sack and a tip ball on back-to-back plays uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, TJ Sanders picked up where he left off. Jordan Strawn, I don't think we've mentioned him by name yet, but he had the forced fumble yep. um, on Rodgers that obviously ended up setting up the touchdown. Jatias Gear, even. Yeah. Yep, I was going to say he had a tip, um, bad, bad at a pass down in the second quarter. Um, Tyree Johnson was back healthy. He played, I don't know the number, I felt like about 30-ish snaps. He looked okay to me. I was about to say, I think that that's another thing that maybe we're not mentioning is you were yeah. about the healthiest that you've yes. been up front um, for the entire season, which allowed people to get some more breaks. Um, you didn't necessarily see as dominant of a, like no, the, the highest tackler last night was O'Donnell Fortune with six total tackles. Um, throughout the season thus far, we've seen several guys in the teens uh, for the leading tackler. It was a lot more spread out last night because I think they were just able to get a rotation going, um, which is going to be huge down the stretch. I mean, you, you, it's a long season. Uh, it's a, 
it's a tough conference. Um, you need to keep those guys healthy and and keep a rotation going there. Yeah, and I think once you start to kind of look at it from that perspective, it's like, all right, you've got four defensive tackles in there. You're feeling pretty good about five. If you count Elijah Davis, who played more last night too, and I thought it looked okay. And then you go to the edge. All right, you got a healthy Tyreek Johnson, healthy Jordan Strawn, um, healthy Bright. Yeah, T.S. Gear, Brian Thomas Jr., Desmond Umuzulo came in on a couple of obvious passing downs last night. Um, thinking a warm up right at the end of the first half when Mississippi State was driving. To Azama. Um, to Azama. So that's six guys right there on the edge and five in the middle. That's 11 defensive linemen that you feel good enough about to have in the game in big spots the fourth quarter of an SEC game. I don't know if all of them played in the fourth last night, but I think they yeah. did. Um, no, that's and that's luxury. different. Yeah, I would yeah. say that's different than last year where you had Zach Pickens and, and Jordan Birch as obvious like future NFL guys. Maybe you don't have any anyone quite that dominant yet, although maybe some of them can develop into it. Uh, there's a lot of another one who didn't play much last night, but you still feel okay about him. He played last week a good bit in Athens. Right. And and all, pretty much all those guys you mentioned have a good bit of eligibility remaining, save, you know, Stray Stray and who's obviously like a seven year seventh year player or whatever he is now. Um, so yeah, I think the future is bright uh through most of those eleven guys that you just mentioned. Um Tuazama might also uh be a one and done sort of guy. But uh the rest of those guys, um Gears a, a freshman or uh Gear uh, was a graduate uh my Juco transfer through Syracuse. So I think he's younger than that. Oh, no um, way. Tuzabo is Syracuse to Grant. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. I early. think Gears a redshirt sophomore or something like that. He's yeah. Got a of, you've got bodies uh, at the point. You've got you've got bodies. Yeah, and and bodies that I think are going to continue to contribute in the future is, I guess, what my point there was. Um, other sort of takeaways that we haven't hit on from this game. Uh, I think you saw some good things from Trey Knox last night. Uh, he, we did mention the one drop, but he also had four catches for 53 yards, one Jump. touchdown. He also is just a big part of what works on that offense, even though when the ball is not in his hands. Um, he got banged up there for a second, took a stinger or, or whatever, kind of just fell hard. Um, I was worried that maybe he hit his head hard on the ground and it was concussion, but he came back a few plays later. Later. Um, but yeah, he's just so essential from a blocking standpoint as well. Um, and he's one of your better weapons outside of Leggett, um, reliable weapons, uh, big target for Spencer Adler. You saw a lot more of those two tight end sets again last time. I think, I think at this point you're pretty comfortable saying that's just part of the Dow Logan's offense. And I think that helps you run the ball. Um, trying to think of anything else. I don't know what to do with it. I, 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 do you want to mention that this, I guess I'm doing it now, but the special teams thing at the end of the first half, I haven't seen a good angle on that. I don't really know what happened. So what happened, Mississippi, I'll just say, but yeah. Mississippi State kicked the field goal at the end of the first half, 53-yarder, kick is missed. South Carolina's flagged for an illegal formation because they had a player lined up over the center. Um, Mississippi State kicker gets another shot at it from five yards closer, makes it. Obviously, it's a three-point penalty. Shane said after the game that they were trying to switch Boogie Hutley from a one a gap to the other. Yep. And his shoulder. I have not seen the replay. I'm pulling it up now, but it, it was it was. I thought it was a little ticky tacky. Um, they said he shifted over the snapper, which obviously your body can't be over a snapper on a on a field goal. Um, it looked like. I mean, I was coming out of a timeout, so it looked like an intentional 
play call uh, that they that they had done to try to overload that side. Um, Beamer said as he was heading into the half that basically he he thought he wasn't any more shaded on that side than he was before, <laughs> um, and that um, you could call that on on any field goal basically um but because that shift actually happens right before the snap i think it just like refs, refs into yeah. it exactly um i mean it's an unfortunate thing that uh that and the two-point conversion could have loomed large if you lose this game um yeah. but at the same time i think the shift worked if you don't get called for the penalty and the two-point conversion play was at a good time analytics wise uh if it was you guys remember i mean yeah. i had it was tj sanders just, just it, it was open he, a little he, bit. yeah he he floated it a little bit too far um or too long gave the defender time to get underneath it but um uh, the broadcast i don't even know what they were talking about they they tried to say that that was not them playing the analytics and it absolutely was because uh you score a touchdown with like 40 seconds before halftime you know you're getting the ball after the half if you're going to take a risk, that's the best time to take that. Yeah, and the time. play was there. I think regardless of situation, if you think you have a look, go for it. And I think Kai would tell you you should have made that throw. I think Shane will tell you Kai should have made that throw just based on what we've seen him do in the past. First um, completion of Kai Kroger's career, right? Yeah, yeah, end of an era. Um, <laughs> the play was there. I thought the call was fine. Um, again, obviously, if you lose that game by one, you lose that game by three, whatever, you don't think the call is fine. You wake up this morning mad about the math, but it was there. Um, yeah, I don't know. That just that's I, what happens sometimes. I think probably we talked about this heading in that Limbo is never happy with special teams, but he in particular this season hasn't felt like they've played up to their level yet. Um, I think you could say maybe more of the same say, though, last night, that- but on that point, Mitch Jeter kicked the ball through the end zone all night, which means yeah. Tulu Griffin did not get touches in space on kick returns, which as we saw what he was doing from scrimmage, that matters. That could have been yeah. a different game if you got a kick return. And you had pretty good coverage on uh, punts. I think there were a couple of returns. There was one in particular where you outkicked your coverage, yeah. but for the most part, uh, you kind of forced uh, very little return yardage on, on the punts as well. So, yeah, overall, I don't think it I don't know that they've had a bad game from a special team standpoint. Um, I just think we've seen them be so exceptional that some of these miscues have stood out through the first four games. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it. Um, the penalty was bad. That's I know you can, see, you can call it a ticky tack call or whatever, but that still shouldn't happen, and Pete Lumbo would probably tell you the same thing. But other than that, yeah, I thought you handled the kicking game well, the punting game. Mitch Jeter hit his field goal, which gave you the lead at the time when he did that. Um, Eddie Lewis finally had a decent little return. Yes, unfortunately, I to mention, a twenty-two yard return. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, he got a little banged up um, uh, a little bit later on a reception. We'll see if that has any lingering effect or whatever. But uh, yeah, nice, nice return by him. Um, do you want to look forward at, at Tennessee at all? Just really quickly, how are you fe- feeling coming out of this uh, beginning stretch? We talked about you had to split UNC and Mississippi State to kind of have everything uh set up for you and you did it i think you're still where you need to be at two and two you couldn't lose that game last night we talked about how vital that was i i say this i didn't watch any of tennessee yesterday i know they beat utsa with a backup quarterback playing for utsa so okay got back on track once they had a pretty good game um you absolutely can go to neil and win that game 
you're capable of it. I don't think Tennessee's shown you anything so far this year. It's you can't beat them. I think you're gonna have a better quarterback on the field. You're gonna have the best wide receiver on the field with Leggett. Um, obviously, you're gonna need a way better performance from your secondary than you had last night. That kind of that kind of goes without saying. Um, and you're gonna need your offensive line to handle the noise, the environment better than they did in Athens. Um, I don't know how many false starts they had in Athens, but I don't know it was seven total O-line penalties against Georgia. You go to a snake pit here. I mean, Tennessee fans are going to be up for this one after what happened last year. Yeah, it's um, a revenge game for sure. It's going to be a really good environment. I'm looking forward to it. If um, you could set the line right now, what do you think that the line opens as? It's a good question. Uh, Tennessee, I think Tennessee favored playing at home and still three and one. Tennessee favored by five. I kind of think this might open about where it opened last week for South Carolina. It's Mississippi State. Yeah, that's that's about where I would put it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Vegas somehow, just based on analytics, based on ranking, based on the revenge game factor and it being at home, maybe they push uh, Tennessee up to maybe like six and a half, seven, but we'll see. Um, I, I do think it's a game that you should go into believing you can win. Uh, Probably still top two hardest games left on the schedule. uh, Just as far as, uh, yeah. And because of the road factor, maybe it's even more difficult uh, than Clemson and Clemson Clemson hasn't. Yeah. They haven't looked uh, as dangerous uh, this year so far, although they played well yesterday and we can, we can talk a little bit about, I guess around the country yesterday too, but um yeah we'll have plenty more on gamecockscoop.com kind of previewing tennessee in the coming days we'll be back here on thursday on the podcast to talk about it Do you want to talk about uh just around the country real quick from yesterday uh colorado came rocketing back to earth i think we knew that was gonna happen yeah i don't really have anything to say about that their linemen uh, are about 40 pounds smaller than oregon's that was always gonna happen <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could, I guess, the only note there is just how dominant it was. I mean, Oregon was up 35 nothing at halftime. I think uh, Colorado had 35 yards or something right. in the first I have a Pac-12 half. take, actually. Watching this game in the press box last night while I was writing, it was on one of the TVs. Washington, I, I don't want to like say this as their seasons are going to end the same way. This, this is apples to apples. But... Washington has the best offense college football scene since the Joe Burrow LSU year. That's, that's Michael Penix just threw yeah, yeah. 16 touchdowns in four weeks. They had 40 points for halftime again last night against a power five opponent who isn't good, but has a pretty good defense. Usually Cal's kind of a Justin Wilcox, a defense guy. And I mean, once again, Michael Penix just make it look like a video game last night. Uh, four more touchdown passes. Yeah. And if you 59, if you look at the final score there, it's 59-32. You may be like, oh, well, they score a lot of points, but they're like USC and they give up a lot of points. Um, they took a lot the, of garbage time. I would say they took the foot off the gas at halftime. It was 45-12 to 12. 12 at halftime. So uh, that's a little bit more of an indicator there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they deserve to be ranked higher than eight or whatever they are right now. Um, they'll get into the meat of their schedule here shortly. They got Arizona th- this coming week, who is three and one, and then they have Oregon the week after that. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll know who they are and whether that offense that offense up against... is just so fun to watch. No, I no doubt about that. Um, other takeaways, we, we briefly mentioned it, but Florida State uh, gets an overtime win in Death Alley against Clemson. 
Florida State's the better team there, uh, but Clemson had their opportunities to win. Um, it's a tough place to go play and win, and that was the first time that Florida State had won in Death Valley since Jameis Winston in the national championship year. So uh, I think you uh, some of the fact that it was so close has to do with Florida State giving getting the monkey off their back too. Um, it's you know to beat the man, you got to beat the man, sort of thing. I thought Garrett Riley kind of overthought it. I thought the way Moffa was running, the way Shipley was running. I'm thinking of three plays. I'm thinking of the, the play that ended up being the strip sack on Klubnik when Clemson's up seven and driving. I thought they should have kept running the ball there. there. I don't know if you saw what they did, but the reverse double pass kind of thing with like two minutes to go in the red zone when they were A, running well, but B, trying to kill clock, save Florida State a timeout with the incompletion. And then the, and I think this is more on Klubnik, but the, Third and one RPO in overtime where Klubnik makes the wrong read, yep. throws the tunnel, the bubble screen, tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Club, I think Klubnik actually said to his credit post game, like, yeah, we had to I had we had to look. I should have handed the ball off on that one. Um, I don't know why you're just calling a run play directly there in that situation, the way you're running, because Shipley and Moffa both looked very good yesterday against a very good D-line. Um, I mean, so much of the way that that offense operates, though, is having that option on almost every play, though. Yeah, so. but your quarterback's got to make the right decision. And yep. I'm not saying he got it wrong every time yesterday, but the, in the biggest play of the game, Klubnik made the wrong decision on the RPO. Um, no, I mean, to me, the past couple of years of Clemson, and maybe someone will clip this or whatever if you're a Clemson fan and uh, scoreboard me or something like that, but this is kind of who Clemson is if you don't have two of Sean the most elite yeah, yeah two of the most elite quarterback prospects uh in college football recent college football memory i mean and that's not that's i don't even think that that's really a slight like clemson is a good team they recruit pretty well uh they should be in the top two of the acc you know year in and year out but the thing that elevated them to where they were making all those playoffs it seems pretty apparent is uh those two quarterbacks and you had elite receiver play i mean a lot of those receivers are playing on sundays yeah. now too and you T. haven't Higgins, had that yeah. um yeah Just Justin ross, ross you know yep. exactly yeah. yeah um all right enough about clemson uh alabama pulls off a 24 to 10 win against ole miss yeah. uh man i will say uh just a quick note the Lane Kiffin trolling stuff is really entertaining to me. The Deion Sanders stuff is really entertaining to me. This this season, from a national standpoint, has just been fun so far. Yeah. Um, even if you know both of them, I guess, got their just desserts yesterday, and if if that's the way you want to frame it, um, I love uh, the personalities of college football. If I want to watch like super distilled, boring, uh, by the book football, I'll watch the NFL. Uh, yeah. I, I like I like. Um, yeah, I like the way some of these things have played out in the media. But yeah, uh, Bama kind of, they were down uh, early in that one. But uh, after a blocked kick um, on, or a blocked punt uh, against Ole Miss, kind of like settled in and uh, Boa constrictored that one out. Boy, really Lane Kiffin, uh, I don't think Bama's fixed. I did think they were going to win that game and pick them to cover on the staff picks. Lane Kiffin going on the air Sunday and saying, hey, we figured it out. Bama's actually calling plays. There's a new defensive coordinator at Bama, and then going and scoring 10 points and no touchdowns in the second half Yeah, is a tough <laughs> look. I mean, yeah, it's tough. Uh, Kiffin's, what, 0-7 against Saban now or something? 0-4? Yeah, I don't remember. Something. Like something. Yeah. 0 something. Um, it, I Like I said, I enjoy his trolling, but it's going to continue to fall on deaf ears if he can't ever – 
uh, get the win. And I think he's probably running out of opportunities too. Uh, who knows how he many said he was yesterday. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty funny quote too. Oh, he's, you know, implying three hours for a kickoff and Saban's going to retire after this yeah. year. <laughs> um, in a thing that maybe only interests a certain segment of the college football world at Kansas is four and oh, again, do you know the only year. undefeated versus undefeated matchup next week, anywhere in college football, FBS, at least is Kansas versus Texas. I think that that could be a fun game. Um, yeah. I, Kansas looks pretty good. I, I obviously would pick Texas, Texas to win, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's close. Uh, in a game that crushed my soul. So I had Uh-oh. a four-pick four pick parlay yesterday. Oh, no. And I got the first three legs of it right. Oh, no. And the last leg of it was Oregon State minus three. Oh, no. I saw that. <laughs> Oregon State scored late. I saw that. Oh, yeah. no. So uh, Washington State ends up winning 38 to 35, and I lose $100. So that's no. the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> um, but entertaining game. Uh, Washington State uh, jumped out to like a three-touchdown yeah. lead, and then Oregon State battled back in. But um, Florida uh, kind of struggled with Charlotte, but ends up winning 22-7. to seven. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, they – they blew the doors off of Tennessee the week before. by Florida going to Kentucky next week. I mean, they could go a lot of different ways. It does feel when you're looking at the Gamecocks rest of season schedule, every game really at this point sort of feels toss up to me. Um, the only guaranteed, not even guaranteed, but like probable win, I think you pencil in is Jacksonville State, maybe Vandy. I think Vandy's um, pretty bad. I think we might have a bad read there saying they were better. AJ Swan does not look healthy. Yeah. But then the the rest of the schedule, honestly, I don't think that there's a game that you expect yeah. to lose. But I don't know that there's too many that you expect to win either. So should be really interesting down the stretch. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, just thinking earlier, really, see Mizzou again, kind of ugly. That's three weeks in a row with a one possession win. Uh, but they get it. They beat Memphis by seven. They're four and zero, and they're probably going to be five and zero with Vandy next week. And then I think they get LSU the week after. So that should be fun. Um, I mean, we've seen that. Missouri can ugly up a game and win it uh, yeah. against South Carolina. That's good for those players. Year, so. Luther Burton. Yeah. I mean, that I know you know the big game last night. There's not much you can do with it. I mean, and you talk about don't let one wide receiver ruin your night for South Carolina last night with Tulu. Luther Burton can ruin your night pretty quick. Um, yeah. Kentucky 4 0. Um, go to Vanderbilt, handle business. I think they forced three turnovers. No, they had a pick six pretty early in that game. Uh, they get Florida next week in Lexington. Um, Arkansas LSU. I didn't watch one snap of that game, obviously. Um, but they kept cutting in during our broadcast. Uh, it looked like it was really fun. I didn't get to watch any of it live, obviously. But Arkansas kept battling back every time LSU kind of had them on the ropes, but ultimately uh, couldn't couldn't pull it off. Um, Ohio State yeah, wins in a last last second touchdown over Notre Dame. They're down fourteen ten. Score. As time expires, was it as time expires? Uh, yeah. with the touchdown? You know Notre Dame at 10 on the field there, right? Did you see uh, that? I, I didn't. Um, another, I guess, South Carolina note, we had another op- or moment out of a uh, timeout where South Carolina had 10 defenders yep, last night. Nick too. Barrett ran on late on uh, Mississippi State's, the Mike Wright touchdown run. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, that just, you know. is that just a goal line thing you think like around college football? Because that, that's happened a few times to some team. Florida had one or two of those against Utah week one. Is that just we're on the goal line? We're not running base personnel. We're having a hard time getting the right guys in there. I, I think so. Yeah, you definitely have different groups. Um, one more, I guess, South Carolina question or, or note or something. 
Where's Juju McDowell? Um, yeah. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Yep. Zero snaps on offense. Or was that in any? So uh, I, I'm as far as we know, he's not injured or anything. Um, I think he needs to be working into the rotation for five touches a game or he's whatever. Healthy. So, he was on kick yeah. return last night with Leggett back there. So uh, I think that's a weapon that maybe is underutilized right now. Maybe we Good see that point. change in the coming weeks. That. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. That's puzzling two weeks in a row. Um, yeah. Especially if you're running the ball almost 50 times last night. He didn't get any of those carries. Yep. So, all right. Well, we will have uh, more breakdown of Tennessee throughout the week on GameCocksGroup.com. Go check us out. Great time to subscribe. Uh, quarter of the way through the season um make sure you like and subscribe us on youtube social media all of it's at rivals gamecock and we'll be back on thursday to preview the tennessee game Till next time this has been the gamecockscoop.com podcast we'll see you